Thank you, Brother Terry. Thank our praise team and thank uh, our choir. Thank all of you for taking part in worship this morning. If you brought your Bibles, please turn to, first turn to John chapter 14. We want to read John chapter 14, familiar passage, verses 1 through 6. I'm going to share a sermon with you this morning. I've just entitled Heaven, Heaven, and we'll look at John 14, 1 through 6, Revelation 21, and then we'll look at 1 Thessalonians 4, 8 through 13. And so a lot of scripture this morning, so you'll have to listen quick, I guess. John 14, verses 1 through 6, if you are uh, able to stand, stand with me as uh, I read uh, from God's inspired, infallible, inerrant word. Just remember as I read, God is speaking to us. John 14, verse 1 through 6, let not your heart be troubled, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for an opportunity to worship you this morning. I thank you for this opportunity as we open the Word of God and so, Father, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts this morning. Let your Holy Spirit be our teacher and guide. Give me the words to say, the right spirit to say the men. And, Father, I pray that uh, you would go from person to person, chair to chair this morning, and speak to our hearts, Lord, that we might make decisions that we need to make in our lives. Thank you for all that you're going to do this day. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. I want to just share a few thoughts about heaven. Heaven. Just before Jesus went to Golgotha, he took his disciples aside and he shared with them that he'd be going away. John 13, verse 36, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus said, where I'm going, you cannot follow me. But you shall follow me hereafter. John 14, verse 1, we just read, Jesus said to his disciples, let not your hearts be troubled. Now that word troubled, we get the word, the English word agitation from that word, Greek word. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be agitated. All of us have a washer and dryer at, in our homes, and we have this washing machine, and in the middle it has this agitator. And the purpose for that agitator is to stir up the clothes, to toss them here, to toss them there, to kind of scramble them all up. And sometimes our hearts get that way. We get all tossed about with problems and troubles. And Jesus said, I'm going away, 
but don't let your heart be agitated. Don't let your heart be troubled. He said, you believe in God. You believe God. Believe me. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe God. Believe me. Then he gives a brief description of the Father's house in heaven. And he says, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and I'll receive you. I'll gather you. I'll call you up. I'll, in the Latin, rapture you, where we get the English word rapture. I'll rapture you. I'll call you up and you'll be with me forever and forever and forever. I'll receive you to myself that where I am in that place, in that place called heaven, you're going to be there also. So the point, Jesus was telling his disciples, listen, I'm going to leave you only for a little while. And in the meantime, I want you to carry on with your responsibilities that I left you here with. Such as, as you go, make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. So I'm going to be gone for a little while. I'm going to a different place. And while you're getting things done here, I'm going to be getting things ready for you there. And then I'm going to come again. And so this morning I want us to think about this place. Now we can't deal with heaven just in one 30-minute sermon. It takes months to deal with heaven. But I want us to kindly think just a moment about heaven, about this place, heaven. Now all of us, no doubt, has wondered what heaven is like. We've wondered that. I have ever since I was a child. But I really can imagine, I can imagine things, but I really don't know for sure what it's exactly like. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says this, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And so I've never seen heaven, and I get a little understanding from the Bible somewhat about heaven, but my eyes have never seen, my ears have never heard exactly what heaven is going to be like. But John, the revelator, in the book of Revelation, he has been he was given the opportunity by God to have a revelation of things of heaven. And so if you will turn to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21 and I'm going to just start reading the Revelation chapter 21 next to the last chapter in the Bible. Revelation 21 let's just start at verse 1 let the Lord speak to our hearts. Revelation 21, verse 1. Now I saw, this is John, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven, the first earth had passed away also. There was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adored for her husband. If you would, drop down to verse, verse 9. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bows filled with the seven last plagues, came to me and talked with me, saying, he's going to take John on a journey, come and I'll show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. 
And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like the most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Also, she had great and high, uh, a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates and the names written on them. Which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel? Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, three gates on the west. Now the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them there were names of twelve, the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city and its gates and its walls. The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. And, it's me- and he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, its breadth, its height are all equal, all the same. And then he measured its wall, 144 cubits according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel. And the construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold like clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of that city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones, The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardis, the sixth sardis, uh, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each individual gates of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord Almighty and the, Lord, and the Lamb are the temple. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is the light. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in the light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut all by day. There shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. But there shall be no means enter in it, enter it anything that defiles or causes the abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. John says, listen, and he, he's given this tour of heaven, of things to come. Now, prior to this, in John chapter, I mean, Revelation chapter 21, John's already, he's already seen a vision of the, of the uh, trumpet judgment. He's already seen the Antichrist. He's seen the bold judgments, the final judgment, the battle of Armageddon, the millennium. He's already seen Satan destroyed in the white throne judgment. And now in Revelation primarily 9, 21, 9 through 23, God reveals to him this new Jerusalem, also referred to as the heavenly city, referred to as the city of God, referred to as the great city, referred to as heaven. And so this morning, let's just take a brief look at heaven now, if you're taking notes, your outline, I put number one, the glory of God that is in heaven. So the glory of God is in heaven. What does that mean? Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says this. And he carried me away, the angel did, 
in the Spirit to a great high mountain and show me this great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. And so the glory of God is in heaven. The glory of God. The glory of God gave light to the entire area of heaven, that entire city. That Shekinah glory that covered Moses' face when he went up to Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments. He came down and his face was still aglow with the Shekinah glory of God that the people the, on, uh, the people at at the bottom of the mountain, had to put uh, a covering over his head because his face shone so bright. That's the Shekinah glory. That's the light that's going to be in heaven. That Shekinah glory that blinded Saul, you remember, on the Damascus Road, and all of a sudden a great light came from heaven, and it blinded Saul. That's that Shekinah glory. So there's no need, the Scripture says, for sun, for moon in the heaven, why is that? Because God's glory is going to be the light of heaven. The sun was given us for, for the light of the day. The moon was given to us for the light at night. But in heaven, it's just going to be the glory of God lighting that place up. Have you ever, have you ever on a winter day perhaps gone out and, and maybe it's come a, a good snow or maybe a heavy frost and you've looked at the, you've looked, gone off of Spruce Pine Mountain perhaps or some other area and it's just covered and it's sparkling and it's just glistening in the, uh, in the sunshine. It's just beautiful. You see some little, you see the ice on the tree limbs perhaps or some snow and it's just beautiful to look at. Everything sparkles. Everything just glitters. That's just a faint, limited ideal of the sparkle, the sparkle and the glitter of the glory of God throughout that holy city of heaven. That's what's waiting for those who go to heaven. So first, there is the glory of God in heaven. But notice, I want you to notice secondly, not only is the glory of God there, but there's a great wall in heaven. Do you notice that? Verse 12. Also, there's a great high wall. There's this wall in heaven. All of us, from time to time, no doubt, especially as children, we've been afraid. Um, you know, we, we kind of fearful at times. I know my mother, she had a fear of going in the house at night when no one had been there. And uh, she'd been gone all day, and she'd call me, and she'd say, I need you to come up and go through the house before I go in. So I'd go up and she wanted me to look behind the doors and she wanted me to look in the closets and she wanted me to look under the bed. And I'd look behind the door and I'd look in the closets and I'd look under the bed just to make sure no one was there. And then I asked her one day, I said, Mom, I said, everything's clear. I don't see anybody in here. But let me ask you a question. She said, what's that? And I said, what are we going to do if we find someone in here? <laughs> but she was afraid. But there's a great wall in heaven we're going to be safe in heaven. This high wall in heaven gives this ideal of protection. No enemies are going to be in heaven. Nothing's going to harm us in heaven. We have this great wall of protection in heaven. So there's a great wall in heaven. But notice also there are 12 gates in heaven. Do you see that in verse 12? You have this great high wall. Then it has 12 gates and 12 angels at the gate and the names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. So you have, you have this wall, 
this wall, this, this um, uh, rectangular square, if you might say, that has four sides to it. This wall, it goes all the way around heaven, but it has, you know, four sides. And then it has three gates per side. So that's 12 gates around this wall going around heaven. Three gates. Three gates with 12 angels. You see, the, the, in, the, entrance, the entrances to the city is, uh, is protected. The city is protected. And not just anybody can go in that city. The point is, no one will enter that city unless they've been approved by God to enter that city. And only those who have trusted Jesus Christ will be able to enter that city, will be able to enter heaven. Only those who have believed the gospel of Jesus Christ can enter that city. You say, well, Brother Sammy, what's the gospel? Here are different things about the gospel. Well, the Bible's pretty clear. Look at 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, and I point this out from time to time, where you won't forget where it is, but the gospel is spelled out. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. Now, he's fixing to declare the gospel. I'm fixing to, he says, Moreover, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and which you stand, by which also you were saved. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Here's the gospel. For I delivered to you first of all that which I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, and that he was buried and that he arose again on the third day according to the scripture. Friend, that's the gospel. And if you add anything to the gospel, you dilute the gospel. It's not the true gospel. That's the gospel. And only those who put their faith in Jesus Christ and believe the gospel that Christ came, that he died on the cross for our sins, he was buried, he arose again. They surrender themselves to him, accept the lordship of him over their lives, demonstrating their belief in him, then they become, they become believers of the gospel. Okay? Now notice, four walls, north, it says north, wall headed facing the north, facing the east, facing the south, facing the west, three gates, three gates on those walls, 12 gates, three on the north, three on the, three on the east, three on the south, three on the west, every direction on earth, there was a gate facing that direction. What does that mean, Brother Samuel? Well, I feel like it means all of those, all of those gates are there facing in every direction, which says there's no discrimination, there's no prejudice of anyone coming to heaven. Red, yellow, black, and brown, and white, they're precious in his sight. Jesus loves all the children, all the people of the world. And so those gates, every person on the four corners of the earth can be citizens of heaven. Every person on the four corners of the earth can be citizens in heaven. And the only requirement is you must come through the Savior of the world. To get to heaven. Now who's the savior of the world? Mohammed's not the savior of the world. Buddha's not the savior of the world. Joseph Smith's not the savior of the world. Charles Taz Russell's not the savior of the world. A church ordinance is not the savior of the world. Uh, denominations are not the savior of the world. 
Acts 4 verse 12 says, There is no salvation in any other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now who's, what's the name? Jesus. Jesus came to seek and to save those that were lost. He's the Messiah. He's the Christ. He's the Savior of the world. Jesus said in John 14, 6, remember we just read it, I am the way. That word way is hadas in the Greek. It means a road. I am the way to God. I'm the way, the truth, the life. And no one comes to God. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to heaven but by me. It's through Jesus and only Jesus. And when you add something to Jesus, you've changed directions to heaven. Which way are you going to heaven? There's only one way, and that's through Jesus. It's not Jesus and anything else. It's just Jesus. And so first you have the glory of God in heaven. You have a great wall in heaven. You have 12 gates in heaven. And then there's a foundation in heaven. Do you see that in verse 14? Now the wall of that city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And so the names of the 12 apostles were inscribed on those foundations. But they identified, they were identified as the apostles of what? Of the Lamb. So the point is, the foundation of that city is the testimony of the apostles that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. He's the supreme sacrifice of God. It was because of the sacrifice of the Lamb of God that makes that city, that heaven, available to you and to me. It was because of his sacrifice. And unless Jesus Christ had died, that sacrificial death, no person would never enter the holy city of heaven. Would it still be there? Yes, if God saw, if God decided to go ahead and create the heaven, he created it for those that were followers of him. But anyway, he would have a heaven, no doubt. But only you could go to heaven. You couldn't go to heaven without the supreme sacrifice of his son. So unless you believe that Jesus Christ is important, this is important. Unless you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and was God's sacrifice for sin, you'll never be allowed to enter the city of heaven. John sees this foundation of the apostles of the Lamb. And I'm going to close with this. John sees the city as a, a perfect square. Perfect square. Look at verse 16, spelled out. City is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. It's measured the city with reed, 12,000 furlongs in length, breadth, height. They're all equal. So this city is enormous. When you figure that, it's 1,500 miles long. It's 1,500 miles wide. It's, it's 1,500 miles tall. It, it, it carries 2,250,000 square miles in that measurement. That's a big place. Big place. The walls are 216 feet thick. The walls of heaven. And so the point is, heaven will be large enough for all of those who choose to come to God through Jesus Christ. You're not going to outgrow heaven. Heaven will be large enough for all who come to Christ. You know, just imagine the beauty and the brilliance and the splendor as the city of God reflects all the glory of God through all those beautiful stones that were mentioned. 
You can imagine what it would be like. So what does all those stones symbolize? Heaven is, is worth any price to enter. Any price. Heaven is priceless. No matter what you have to sacrifice here on earth, it'd be worth it to go to heaven. You'll, you'll be foolish not to give up everything in order to go to heaven. Um, Mark chapter 8. Let me, uh, let me read this scripture. Mark chapter 8. And I want to look at verse uh, 34 and thir- uh, through 38. Listen to this. Mark, uh, Mark 8, verse 34. And when he had called the people to himself with his disciples, who said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. Let him deny himself all of his selfish whims and all of his desires. Let him put me first in his life. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man, will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of the Father, with the holy angels. What will you give in exchange for your soul? Would you give a million dollars today for in exchange for your soul in this heaven? Two million, three million, ten million, one billion, five billion. What would you give in exchange? Your soul is the most valuable thing that you have. And Christ is saying, give your soul to me. Give me your soul. And when we accept him as Lord, we give him our soul. The word Lord means kuros, the one who has all power and authority to control. When we give him that over us, give our life to him, we say we give our life, we gave our life to Jesus. When we give our life to him, then we, we receive heaven. So what would you give in exchange for heaven? You give a million dollars? Of course not. A billion? Of course not. But some people give far less than that. Far less than that. So the glory of God is in heaven. The, the great wall is in heaven. The gates in heaven. The foundations in heaven. The measurements of heaven. The materials are in heaven. So here's the question as we close out. Are you prepared for the trip to heaven? Have you given Jesus your all, your soul, your everything? Have you committed yourself to him? Do you believe the gospel that Jesus came? He died on the cross for your sins. He was buried. He arose again. He's coming back really, really soon, I feel. Jesus said, if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and I'll receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Do you believe that? I pray that you do. And if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ, you have an opportunity to give him your soul today. You know, the Bible says, don't, feel, don't fear those that can kill the body, but fear him who can destroy both body and soul in a place called hell. That's who we need to fear.